Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to A Talk Radio. You're listening to The Power of Love Show, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Power of Love, sponsored by the D. Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. I am T.J. Jackson, and with me, I have one brother today. One love. One love, one brother. Who's the brother? Taj. Well, you could say... It's me, Taj Jackson, here with TJ or something. Mm. You can carry the conversation a bit. It's just us two. Okay. If you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Turo is not in today. Um, he couldn't make today's show, but today's going to be a great show, Taj. Yes. Do you want to know why? Why? Because we have an awesome guest. I love it. We have an awesome guest, not in studio, but is calling in. And I just got off the phone with her. And she's very interesting. And what I love, I love everyone. But what I love about our guest is she has a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience. And I'm always ready to learn. So I think it's going to be a great show. Before, though, we should do our normal intro Mm -hmm. and let everyone know we are live on the Power of Love show. So if you're listening, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, We will be opening up Twitter. Not a phone calls today, but we're going to open up Twitter so, if any of our listeners want to comment, ask a question, um, anything of that sort that's on topic, of course, you can do so at, you want to give the Twitter handle, Taj? Sure. It's DDJ Foundation. The at. letters, at, the letters DDJ, the word foundation. Thank yeah. you, Taj. You're welcome. Uh, we are not licensed therapists. We're just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it. And we've learned a lot from it. Right, Taj? Mm. Of course we have <laughs> experience. Right? We, we want to share our opinions in attempt to help you overcome whatever it is you're going through. Saying that if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Please don't just rely on us and on our show. Um, with that intro done, Taj. That's pretty talk, well done. It was, right? Yeah. It was all right. Pretty well done, I think. Tell me about your week. Um, My week. Did you do anything special? Yes. We um, saw Grandma. For, nice. Uh, yes. Yeah, I missed it. Yes. I had to take. I had to take a cousin to an yes. event, so unfortunately, I didn't get to go the day you guys all went. Yeah. But um, t- tell me, how was it? It was great. You know, we do this every year. Um, it was on Friday, mm-hmm. and um, it's one of the most important days for Jehovah Witness, mm-hmm. and so it was very important to my grandma and my auntie Ruby. So, um, a lot of the family was there, and it was it was a great time and also we got to spend time with her afterwards as well so good yeah good uh, i gotta see grandma it's been a couple yeah, she, weeks for you me. definitely do so um, and then uh, first of all before we go to the end then yeah i know we said this before but miss Catherine jackson is an amazing an amazing soul and person and a heart of gold and i'm saying this again because it needs to be it always repeated needs to be said. and yeah. i i honestly i've seen so many and experienced so many people in this world but my grandmother, um, with everything she's had to deal with um, in life, I mean, even before the public knew of the Jackson family, um, you know, just think about living in Gary, Indiana during that time period where she was raised and, you know, grew up. Everything that she has overcame and everything she's gone through and, and to, to see someone who is so forgiving and so loving to everyone is just remarkable. So shout out to you, Grandma. And I love you, and I'll see you soon. But go ahead, Taj. No, uh, yeah. So that was that was great, obviously. And then you said, and then, and then, we had um, went to see our auntie Lourdes and the family on um, Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, on my mom's side, and so which is another thing I can go on about because should I just give a yeah? yeah go ahead. I need to because we are last name Jackson. That's just half of our family. Mm-hmm. There's another half of our family that isn't in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. So for the public, may not have the same type of quote unquote meaning, but for us, has the same exact importance and love from us. Mm-hmm. And our mom's side of the family is a beautiful side. We love them, and they're just fun, loving people. And I wouldn't be half the person without my mom and her side of the family. So, Very true. Very so, true. Thank you for remembering to mention that as well yes um what else anything else besides the easter weekend 
Um, it was Taylor's five month on that Easter weekend too. Okay, five month cool. birthday. So in Brazilian tradition, you celebrate every month mm-hmm. to the first year. So okay, we did that. We've not missed a month, and so that was fun as well. So just the family was kind of the whole week, Good. which is great. Yeah, always seeing family is great, and and I'm super excited for Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Yes, it is. They're saying it's going to cross a billion. Oh, easily. But it's in not the, even that. The weekend. I'm, I've been trying to stay away from spoilers yeah. and stuff like that. So, Which isn't easy. No, it's not at all. Especially so. with everyone pr- posting stuff. So, You think it will get to the biggest movie of all time? I don't know. It would have to pass Avatar, correct? Which Avatar's is, number which, one. Yeah. Which is 2.9? It's up there. It's okay. like it's a phenomenon. Okay. And I think that what Avatar had... In, and we'll make this short because I know. But what Avatar had going for it as well was the 3D. Okay. You know, that's because it, it, it was, was brand new. It was a uh, new format. Yeah, it was, it was, you had to see it in 3D. And so a lot of people w- went multiple times to see it in 3D. And, and you're telling me that because the 3D ticket prices are more expensive, it added more numbers to the overall exactly. gross. Exactly. Okay. And it was the first time I think 3D kind of got a reboot and, and, mm. you know, with James Cameron's technology. Oh, yeah. Um, it it was a winning combination. Plus, yeah. it was a good story. It hasn't held up the same. But really? If you watch it again, yeah. It's not only me saying that. Okay. But I heard it was kind of a... Is it a Pocahontas? It's, it's a Pocahontas uh, homage. <laughs> a Pocahontas <laughs> I like homage. to use the word homage. Okay. Well, well uh, um, we've been chatting. And again, my weekend was a blur. I, or my week. So I don't really know. But I think I'll piggyback off you. Yeah. The Easter weekend was, was yeah. the highlight. Of course, seeing family. Um, Always is. But Taj, yeah. let's talk about today's guest, if you don't mind. Yes, I don't mind. We have, like I said, an incredible guest today. We have Jan, and I'm I'm so mad at myself for not confirming how to say her last name, but when, when she comes on, she'll confirm it for us. But we have Jan Yanehito. That's a guess, Yanehito. Um, she's the one who pioneered the magazine format and television as co-host of Evening Magazine, which is a nightly program in San Francisco that ran for 15 years. Currently, she's the director of the School of Communi- Communications. I need to go to that school. <laughs> and Media Technologies at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. She, This woman, first of all, she's done so much, and I'm oh. excited to ask her, but she's a co-author, um, along with four other women, of... Um, a book called This Is Not The Life I Ordered, 50 Ways to Keep Your Head Above Water When Life Keeps Dragging You Down. So we're going to discuss the book today. And um, I'm sorry, it was a total of four books, a total of four women who, who wrote the book. But, oh, um, my gosh, you're already messing up. Taj, okay. leave me alone. This is, this is why you don't do a show with your older brother. But <laughs> anyway, um, Jan, are you with us? I'm here. Jan, I'm, I'm super excited to have you today. Um, did I did I butcher your last name, by the way? You know, no worries. Um, it's uh, Yanahiro, <laughs> which Yanahiro. is a Japanese-American name. And you kind of got it right when you said uh, Yanahiro, because the Japanese version is Yanahiro, which is the correct pronunciation. But, you know, we're here. I'm third generation, <laughs> and everybody goes Yanahiro. You know, um, but listen, I'm delighted to be with both of you. I love the brother connection. Yeah. I can hear the little bantering. You, yeah. you just oh, leave me alone. I love all that. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be here. It's oh, it's so you. great to have you. And so, Jen, tell me, I could go so many different directions with you. I can go to the the book because that's fascinating, and I know our listeners want to know about that. But first, before I get to the book, you did. It says, and correct me if I'm wrong. You've hosted six, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six documentaries on the redress and relocation issues of Japanese Americans during World War II. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Wow. But I love it when you, you mentioned that I hosted this show called Evening Magazine. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you both how old I am because it was in 1975. Um, nobody was born then. <laughs> we were the first show in the country, and I was working at CBS 5 in San Francisco. We were the first show in the country to use video. And I say that to my students today, and they go, okay, yeah, so. But they don't understand that everybody else was using film cameras. 
You know, oh. you, you take film and you go yep. back and you, you process the film. There's negatives, and, and that's how you splice and dice and edit, and that's how you, you, you get your um, news is mm. what you got on film. And so we were the first show in the country to use video. Wow. And, you know, granted, the cameras were 40 pounds made out of steel and attached to a deck that ran the tape, three-quarter-inch tape that attached to another deck that ran the audio. And now look where we are today. Everybody's using their phones. Yeah. So yeah. that's how fast everything has progressed. And I know that, you know, you brothers have done so many things. The three T, I like the three T <laughs> music and yeah. you've done television and, yeah. and so you're in the business. And so that to me is so remarkable of what technology is doing. You know, seventy five, first show in the country to use video and here wow. we are, everybody uses their phone. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look at you guys doing your um, podcast. I take it you're kind of laying back in your room, in your living room, <laughs> oh, you know, having yet. a good time. No, no, no. You know? Well, kind of. I mean, I, I am in shorts and a T-shirt today because I am going to go. And I'm in go, sweats. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go play tennis. But we're, at, at, we're actually also live on L.A. Talk Radio. Mm. So we are at another third-party location at a radio station doing the show. So. Okay. Uh, but, you know, podcast today, as you know, you can do it from your bedroom. I know. And, uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, and that's one of the things that we teach. We teach podcasting. When Here at the university, we're, we're on the Department Chair of Communications. But when I proposed the idea of having a podcasting class 10 years ago, people were saying, what's a podcast? Yeah. And yeah. now everybody has Absolutely. a podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just delighted to be here. And then I'm delighted to know that technology has really leaped frog mm -hmm. and that's what it should do and it should really help us along so back to your story about in, in your question about um hosting documentaries on japanese americans yeah. during world war ii so it was executive order 9066 which stated that all japanese americans on the west coast should be interned in these camps so 110,000 japanese americans and i say that mm. Japanese Americans, because they, they were Americans, were taken from their homes on the West Coast, a lot in Los Angeles, all on the coast of San Francisco. Um, and, and for their safety, our government said, we're going to relocate you to these camps that were hastily built by the U.S. Army in these desolate areas, you know, in, in Tule Lake, California, which is the north, um, Heart Mountain, Wyoming. Jerome, Arkansas, I mean, these places where, where, where are you? And at one time, Heart Mountain, Wyoming, there were 10,000 Japanese Americans in an internment camp. That was the largest city in Wyoming at wow. that time in, 19, in the 1942, 3, 4. Wow. I mean, can you imagine? And, and barracks were just, you know, just wood and, you know, you had to make your beds out of straw, and and you, you didn't have a kitchen, so you had to do communal kitchen. The bathrooms were all communal. And, you know, the indignity of it all. Yeah. And then when the Japanese Americans got out of the camp, they were so embarrassed that their own government put them in these camps that they would never talk about it to their children and grandchildren because it was Shakataganai, water under the bridge. You know, they move forward. And that's the pride that these Japanese Americans had. But fast forward years later, and it was Ronald Reagan who finally signed a letter of apology yeah. and gave each person of Jap Japanese American who, if you were interned in camp, a $20,000 apology from the U.S. government. I will tell you, gentlemen, that a lot of people felt that wasn't enough. I don't and how dare the government give us just this. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, those are the, some of the issues that, you know, is confronted. So, you know, I, I bring this up because, as you know, a lot of these things are happening today when we take people who come in to, to our country and we separate them and we put them in these wire cages and we take their children away and the parents can't see them. So, you know, we especially the Japanese Americans are saying, let us not repeat history. Yeah. So there you go, gentlemen. You, it, you, oh my goodness. For, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And that's yeah. something that I don't think gets enough talk in today's climate. 
Um, and and you're 100 percent right, because without getting too far into politics, there's some some similarities. It feels like um, happening, you know, in the southern border. And I, I, again, not getting into politics, I just feel we have to also see really make sure there's a human element and we, we pay attention and respect the human side of everything and of everyone. And, you know, and, and one reason why I wanted to bring this up to you, Jan, was to see or to hear from you how this has affected uh, the Japanese Americans, not just th- the following year or not five years later or 10 years later, but actually generation wise, you know, and it, as I get older, I'm learning more about my roots and, and how, you know, what my people had to suffer through hundreds of years ago or not even that long ago, how that's uh, still affecting our, our people, you know, in, in today's climate. Not only if, when you say affecting, I think it also, it's the psyche. It's, yes. it's kind of, in terms of, um, and I'm just talking off of experience for me. This is Taj, obviously speaking. There's only two of us. I know, so <laughs> the older brother. Two speaking. out of three brothers. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm loving this. But I, I find that there's certain things passed down as well in terms of. Um, someone mentioned something in terms of, I don't know what it was, a study or whatever. But they asked, you know, when when you're walking, you know, down the street and you and someone's in your path, do you move or do you not mm. move? And there's a study done, and, and a lot of um, African-Americans move. Mm. You know, it's inherent for them to move and give the right away as opposed to stand. Without even realizing. Without even realizing. And I'm one of those people that do that, just yeah. without even realizing mm-hmm. what you're doing. But it's just, I think it's inherent in you in terms of. And and, and thank you, Tyler, for In terms of psyche. Up. And I think that's important to bring up because I don't think people really give that kind of credit in terms of you know everyone feels you have the same right to get a home you have the same right to do this or that but there's underlying things that have like you said have been passed through inherently and it's whether it's through tv as you know jan i'm sure you know the way certain Uh, things are just depicted you know and portrayed yeah yeah so oh absolutely and you know and and i was a television host you know from 75 and hosted that one show for 15 years and documentaries and and I stayed on at CBS and I did um, five years of entertainment um, reports but l- let's be honest gentlemen here and we're, we're people of diversity mm-hmm. um, you and I and and I, I would tell you that many times people would say to me when they would meet me on the streets of San Francisco I'm based here in San Francisco Oh, Jan, it's so nice to meet you. I love your show. You know, you speak such good English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I'm thinking, I'm third generation here. I was born and raised in Hawaii, so were my parents. But I'm third generation. Would we ever say that to somebody who is from uh, Italy or um, Ireland, who is third generation Exactly. exactly. Americans. So oh, right. you speak such good English. But, you know, <laughs> those, are the, those are the things that I got. And people would come up with, and they were so surprised. When, when, and when, so, you know. When you would get that, Jan, I, did, did it affect you? What, what was your kind of psyche? Did you just ignore it? Did you, did you pay any attention to it? Or Absolutely. We must pay attention. And, and I'm glad I'm speaking to two men of color we must pay attention, and we shouldn't ignore the obvious and what they're really saying to us. You know, you mentioned um, uh, T.J. and Taj about walking down the street and how you normally just, if somebody's coming at you, you just normally, you move aside. Yeah. You know, there's also a study that showed, so especially with African-American men walking on a street, and if there are white people walking along, they will cross the street to avoid you. Yeah. They would actually move away across the street they would move across the street to avoid you Mm. because fear of whatever it is fear of you know the stereotype the confrontation the fear of gee i'm a little afraid of african-american men whatever it is that's the whole psyche sometimes and you know i think it's our job you three brothers Hmm. two t today not three t today (laughs) love it we we've got to show the general people and the public that we are here we are educated we have every right to be here you know please don't put us into the stereotypical boxes that you've 
been led to believe. So when people would say to me, oh, Jen, oh, I love your show. Watch it all the time. We're on five nights a week, so, you know, they watched. And I would say, thank you so much. Um, I am third generation, so, you know, I was born and raised in Hawaii, so were my parents. Um, But my grandparents spoke Japanese. So, you know, you have to, like, enlighten them in some way. Otherwise, we've lost that opportunity. Jen, and that's been my my feeling. Okay, and and I was going to save this portion to the end, but since we, you just mentioned how you're from Hawaii, um, for for all our world listeners, Hawaii is a state. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank off, you. Not in the mainland, but is a main yes. state. <laughs> I'll call it a main yeah. state. But anyway, here's my question to you. I I read you received an award called, and I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize, but it was it the Kulia. Go ahead. You you say the name. Yes, <laughs> the Kulia Aina Award. Okay. And you know it it was from the Hawaii Chamber of Commerce here in California, and um, you know because all, some of us in, you know live in Hawaii, yes, but we're we've come to the mainland. This yeah. is the mainland. Um, you know because there are opportunities here. Uh, Hawaii is a wonderful place. I've, you know, it's my homeland, but the opportunities are here. So this Hawaii Chamber of Commerce seeks to um, recognize the Kama'ainas, these are, those of us Kama'ainas who were born and raised in Hawaii, who have moved away and, and to, to seek that opportunity. The, and hopefully, you know, we can be the role models and, and, and show that, you know, we Hawaii people, we can contribute. We can yeah. make a difference. Well, you know, and that's, what I, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask is, is it perceived from Hawaiian uh, residents who stay and live in Hawaii, that those who leave to the mainland are are leaving us, or is it more like good for you? Go show what we can do as Hawaiians, in you know, show the rest of the the states and the rest of the world what we can do. How is it perceived for those who do go ahead and branch out and get to the mainland? Well, just to be honest, gentlemen, because. Um you know, I know you were born in a musical family, so I'm sure that they said, you know, go do your music. But, you know, for those of us born in Hawaii, especially, you know, for myself, you know, very conservative Japanese-American family, uh, my father um, didn't even go to high school. I mean, mm. you know, they had to work back in the day. And so we were not encouraged to go forth. We were encouraged to stay in Hawaii mm. and, and go and get a good job and, you know, raise a family. But, you know, I, I had other ideas that the yeah. world was much bigger than a wonderful place called Hawaii. So I did leave and against the wishes of my parents. But again, you know, I had hoped that one day I could make them proud. And and. and I, I think that's important, and, though, um, Jan, because I want to read a quote from the HCCNC president, Daryl Higashi. He said, Jan, Darryl, yes. he said, Jan truly deserves our award. I'm going to skip the name of the award. Okay. But as she is a role model of a Hawaiian-born individual who has demonstrated that coming from the island should not be a barrier to achieving your professional and personal goals on the mainland. Throughout her life, she continues to demonstrate the aloha spirit and strong sense of sense of community. And why that fascinates me is because I just love the fact that they, you know, I, I don't know President Daryl Higashi, but I loved how he, that was a quote he used by basically saying it, it seemed very supportive of you going to the mainland, doing your thing and still maintaining your Hawaiian aloha spirit. I think that's incredible. And I think that's the oh, key. Thank you. Really? Yeah, we I have to, you know. How we grew up sometimes, and I'm sure your parents taught you the values. And I was reading some things about you and and um, how you treasure your mom. In fact, started mm, a, a foundation in yeah. her name, and I think that that kind of family and 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 the solid family core that we have, I think you know, set all of you, the three brothers, and and hopefully myself, so that we can move on and, and achieve and and um, do some good things. For the people of Hawaii and and here on the mainland, I will tell you that when I started doing television in 1975, there wasn't any people, women, who looked like me on television. Mm. And so, you know, again, the year was 1975, and the, you know, the 
stations simply were not hiring people who look like me. Mm. And I think that we've got to make sure that, you know, we are always represented because we will work hard and we'll do our job. And, you know, people in the beginning, Yana Hero is not exactly a name that sort of rose off your tongue. I mean, (laughs) luckily you you all were born with the name of Jackson, you know, easy to spell, easy to say, easy to remember. But Yana Hero isn't exactly a name that sort of is, is out there. And Love so it. everybody mispronounced it. Everybody could not spell it. And but you know, I thought it's okay. You know, it's it's my name, and it's my identity, and I was going to keep it. And you know, we, we don't say anything if it's an Italian name that is you know difficult, Giuliani or you know DiCaprio. anything that's <laughs> difficult or yeah. a, a Greek name or uh, we we pronounce it. Yeah. But when it comes to the ethnic names, especially the Asian ethnic names, we sort of, oh, my gosh, how do we do this? That's and true. I think that we've got to make an effort each and every time to, to reach out and to, and to try to make a difference. Love that. So Jen. Um, anyway, um, that's great. That's important. I just wanted to bring that up. I, I have and, a question. And that's why I love you all for doing this, um, the 3T, the, the Power of Love show. Yeah, um, that you're doing it in honor of your mom. Of course, thank you, thank of you. Of course, thank Jan, you, Jan. Jan I, have a, I have a question because I'm always sure. fascinated about crossroads. Um, when you made that decision to leave Hawaii, uh, and you said that basically your parents weren't, you know, as supportive. We're against it. Yeah, I was trying to <laughs> sugarcoat it, but yeah, we're against yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What was terribly the, against it? What was Please the, don't leave. They begged me. <laughs> what was the driving force? Because every, some, you know, everyone has those crossroads, and I. I do believe that you have a destiny, you know, and it's, it's, it's usually right at that app, you know, when the adversary, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when it's like that, which way do I go left or right? And it writes the, you know, is the easy, easy way, easy way. And left is, well, you know, whatever it's like, (laughs) and you took the hard way, but it paid off because that was, you know, the, the road less traveled, I would say. And so what was your, like, what was the deciding factor? What, motivated you to do that to give you that courage because i'm always fascinated by people that take take that leap of faith and sometimes we do and i know that you three brothers have done that too i mean Mm. when you did your music and you traveled and you know it's something that here's what i tell women and men you have to be able to listen to your inner voice and men call it my gut tells me that we've (laughs) got to do this and women say it softer they say you know my instinct tell me that we should take this way or we should do this. Well, a man's gut and a woman's instinct are the one and the same thing. (laughs) And I especially tell women who are, you know, maybe more reticent to to take that chance, to take that leap of faith. And I say, well, listen to your inner voice. Listen to your instinct. What does it say that you should be doing? And my inner voice said, I needed to leave this fabulous island called Hawaii, and I went away. To, I came here to California to go to school, Fresno State University. I had never been on the mainland. I thought Fresno was like New York City. Here I come. <laughs> and it's Fresno. And, and, and I didn't know, you know, L.A. from San Francisco. I thought, okay, it's in the middle of the state. I'll go there. You know, and this, again, is 1967. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't know. We didn't have... We didn't have iPhones, you know, we didn't do computers, you know, (laughs) we had, you know, we could read on books of what Fresno was all about, but it was my leap of faith. And I felt that I was doing a good thing to come away to go to college. And my father thought, oh my gosh, you know, you're leaving, you're going to go up there, you're going to peroxide your hair orange, you're going to take up smoking, you're going to be wild and you know, and it wasn't me. And so, you know, when I went home a year later, he, he said to me something, like, oh, oh, you haven't changed. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear of the unknown stops many of us. And the fear that our parents have to protect us, you know, help stop people from doing good things and making a path so that you can be educated and you can take some risks to move forward and then along the way, I would say, you know, take your right hand, reach behind you, and bring that next person behind you forward, especially for those of us who are of diversity. You know, we've got to do that, especially, you know, 
take our right hand and reach behind us and 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 bring that next person forward especially people of color Absolutely. and that's sort of my my mantra what i've always believed and i'm sure you know that resonated with your family too absolutely absolutely um jen like i said i could talk to you forever but <laughs> we have to get to, I'm glad. We, we have to get to the book yes um, okay this is not the life i ordered 50 ways to keep your head above water when life keeps dragging you down um there is four of you women i said four, you Correct. plus four but it's four diverse um distinguished women who've come together to share their stories um and and so t- tell everyone what the book is about if i didn't kind of prelude it uh, no absolutely there there are four of us okay and you know it it turned out that some of us congresswoman jackie spear and myself went through the tragic deaths of our spouses and we found our we were friends but found ourselves thrown together so from in my case my husband um, John was 46 and was diagnosed with brain cancer at 46, and who knew? And he fought the good battle, but unfortunately, you know, lost that war, hmm. and he died um, six months after he was diagnosed. And our children at the time were 12, 10, and 6 years old. Hmm. Um, and for Congresswoman Jackie Spear, one of the co-authors of the book, she was pregnant with the se- her second child when her husband, uh, an emergency room doctor, was killed in a car crash. Oh. Somebody hit him. Um, in a, he was in the car. Somebody drove without brakes and slammed right into him. And he was, you know, he died, unfortunately. So she's pregnant with her second child and, and is a widow. So when, you know, you're on the path of life and something just sort of whacks you off, well, how do you get back on? Mm. And that's what the book is all about. And I know you lost your mother, Didi, but, you know, I don't think any one of us wanted a pity party. Right. And we we didn't either, and I'm sure you felt the same way, gentlemen, that, you know, this is a tragedy that happened. I know that your mom was murdered, but... What do we do to get back on that path of life? What do we do to make sure, for me, making sure that my children would grow up, live their lives, hopefully go to college, and have fabulous careers that they could then give back to the community? And that was the same with Congresswoman Jackie Spear and the other two women as well. So I'm pleased to say, gentlemen, that my children all grew up they are now, they were 12, 10, and 6 when my husband died, and they are now 36, 34, and 31. They all grew up. They did go to college. Uh, nobody has gone to jail yet. <laughs> yet. Yes. <laughs> no. and, um, and they're, you know, they have jobs. And I think that was the greatest thing. And then my second daughter did get married. I adore her husband. And for Congresswoman Jackie Spear, the same is true. You know, her her. You know, children grew up. They now got educated, they have jobs, and and you know, life were gone. But we, you know, sure, were we scared? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had life insurance. My husband had life insurance. He had a half a million dollars. And you think, oh, that's kind of that's good money. I thought it was. What I didn't know was he had a half a million dollar line of credit outstanding. Mm. So my life insurance just paid off his debt. Um, he was a businessman. He didn't want to die, so I don't really blame him. So there I was with three kids and no life insurance, wow. and he had a business. So you know, I was faced with his business lawsuits. And, oh. and but how do we, how do we then figure out the way to to rise above it all? It takes years. It takes um, you know you've got to go through the grief moment. You you've got to make sure that you find ways to you know, feed yourself and, and feed the grief. Um, but we did some fun things, and we were speaking last night. Because our children were so small and young, um, Our from Jackie and myself, our husbands are buried in the same hill, the same um, grave site, and we would have Father's Day picnics on the hill. And our sons, who were like six years old, seven years old, would bring their baseball um, bat and ball, and they would play baseball using the grave markers, which you know, uh, wow. as bases. Wow. And 
we thought, okay, you know, we had a picnic on the hill with our husbands and the boys are playing baseball using the grave markers as bases. And, you know, so you have to be able to find ways to celebrate a life, find ways to make sure that your family moves on. And and that was key to to us and to me. Um, Good news. The children write in this book, they are chapter seven, and this is not the life I ordered. And they talk about what it was like to, to grow up, you know, without a parent. Um, it wasn't the life they ordered. Mm. And what they said sort of surprised us. I mean, Jackie Spears' daughter, who wasn't even born, she was, Jackie was pregnant with her daughter when her husband was killed. You know, she said she didn't realize that she didn't have a dad until she went to school. And she noticed that everybody else had a dad. Where was hers? Uh-huh. And so she, she talks about that. And, and my son said that, you know, everybody would come up to him and say, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then he, he's thinking, well, why, why are they sorry? They didn't do anything wrong. And so, and he said that he got to this feeling about instead of feeling bad, one, especially a young person, should feel special. And he said, you know, he now says to young people who lost a parent, he said, you know, you should feel absolutely special. You should feel like you're the super person, you're the superpower. And so, you know, we those kinds of words surprised us as parents when they wrote in the book. Wow. And, you know, I'd love to get my kids together with you both, of the three T's. Absolutely. Because you would have so much in common to talk about Absolutely. You know, losing a parent. Absolutely. Thank you for all of that, Jan. That was very uh, informative. Um, I, I love the perspective change. You know, I think a lot in life is about how you perceive it and how you, what kind of credit or what kind of, you know, value you give things is a lot of how it affects you. So I loved it when you said your child kind of, you know, is, is telling kids, it's think of it as a special as um and I, I I've never really thought of my situation that way, but I'm I I have thought about obviously I miss my mother and, and love my mother and wish I had my mother, but I also sometimes feel like this is it it's it, like I had to take this on kind of thing. You know what part I mean? Part of your like, destiny. It's part mm-hmm. of my destiny and it's like you know, and uh, you know, you know, sometimes I'll say like she she has to be in a better place and she has to be at peace. You know, so I've tried to change the the narrative. Narrative is probably the wrong word, but the perspective, the stigma around it. And and talking about stigma, I want to ask you about um, the stigma that comes with grief in in society in general. What is there? What do you recommend for anyone that's going through grief to deal with the stigma um, that that grief is given? You know, first of all, I had the hardest time. I was 47 years old. My husband's 46 when he died. I was 47. And I had the hardest time, you know, when you get a check off, are you single? Are you uh, divorced? Are you widowed? I, I had the hardest time to check the box, widow, because I thought, oh, I'm only 47. I'm young. Mm. And yet when we think about somebody who is a widow, we think somebody who's like 87, you know, and, and I'm thinking... So I, I sometimes would check the box, widow, and I would put young-ish widow <laughs> along the side because right. I was 47. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I think that, you know, you're right, that we have to change the narrative or we have to use some, some, sometimes a, a sense of humor because we're still here. We may have lost a spouse or a parent, but we are still here and we are going to live our lives. Um, and, and that's what the children all write, too, that they were going to live a life, and, and they have. They don't forget their parents. Um, my son said, you know, he would today love to ask his dad, you know, um, you know what, what scared the heck out of him and, uh, when he did certain things. And then the, the, the touching one was, he said, and what did he think when he first met my mother? he wrote in the book. And I was so touched with that. Mm. Um, but gentlemen, as I'm sure you've known through the years, that sometimes we don't want a pity party. Right. So what we did was we filled this book with illustrations about life and humor, and we filled the book with inspirational quotes. And one of my favorites 
is um, Eleanor Roosevelt who said, you know, when you find yourself at the end of the rope and how many of us have felt ourselves, oh my gosh, we're at the end of our rope. She said, well, you simply tie a knot at the end and hang on. Mm. And I love that metaphor, that tie a knot. And, isn't that cool? I love that. Lovely. Um, and, and, and hang on. Jen, in the book, uh, we are talking about the book, the, This Is Not the Life I Ordered. Not the Life I Ordered. This Is Not the Life I Ordered, 50 Ways to Keep Your Head Above Water When Life Keeps Dragging You Down. Um, you, you guys did something, you ladies did something called the Wit Kit, which is a section-by-section yes. section discussion questions uh, to help readers find that mental clarity and to help them open up to friends and family because that is something that I think a lot of people do is they, they close off. So can you tell us a bit about either, actually both, people closing off and, and shielding themselves away from others as well as what the wit kit, uh, the, discuss, the section by section discussion questions are? It's easy to say, I, I'm not feeling it today. I'm sort of down. I'm going to stay in. I'm going to stay in bed. And and sometimes you've got to give yourself permission to say, all right, I'm going to stay in bed an extra hour. I'm going to stay here. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to feel the moment. And I think that we've got to give everybody permission to do that. But there are times when you're just going to have to get up and get out of bed and put your best foot forward and the sunshine is shining outside and you just you just got to go for it. So we put together the WIT kit, which is W-I-T, Women in Transition mm. is what it is. It stands for, Women in Transition. And so many times we women find ourselves in transition, and what do we do about it? So one thing that women especially have a hard time doing is that we are afraid to ask for help for ourselves. We will be absolutely, we can ask for help for our children, we can ask for help for our friends, but we never do it for ourselves. And we're saying to women out there, ask for help for yourself. And it could be really simple. Gather a group of friends, maybe your three friends, invite them over to coffee, invite your neighbors to coffee, and say, I'm having a hard time with this. I had financial issues. I'm not proud, but I didn't know what our financial state was. My husband was a CPA, so he handled all our finances. And I thought he was going to live forever. Mm. Well, he didn't. And I didn't know what our our financial issues were. I should have. I'm not proud that I didn't know. And so I'm saying to women, find the courage. If you're in a relationship, find out what your financial health is all about. And Jackie Spear, who is a congresswoman, and she was um, assemblywoman at the time, I mean, she was in elected office in California. She knew her husband didn't have life insurance. She knew, and he kept saying, "Oh, honey, don't worry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reinstate it after we do pay this mortgage and that mortgage." And, and he never did. So mm-hmm. he was killed in a car crash. She was 52. She's pregnant with her second child, mm-hmm. and she had no life insurance. So. You know, we're not proud. We That was a mistake we made. Okay. And so I'm asking women and men, find the courage to know what your financial health is all about. So that's one thing. And ask for help. Um, subsequently, you know, I did get, I'm just going to throw this in, I did get remarried three years after my husband died. And that marriage ended in divorce 10 years later. So then I went through another financial issue checkpoint. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I say to, to women, you, you don't know what life is going to throw at you. Yeah. So find that. And um, so start your wit kit. It's, it's women in transition. You can start Love with it. friends. Yeah. Invite them to coffee. Invite them to, you know, take a walk with you and share some moments. Um, and then, you know, if you need some financial help, find the smartest financial people you know and gather them and say, here are some of my issues. What can you do to help me? Um, here, when I went through a divorce, I reached out to the smartest financial person I know. He was a guy married to a dear friend of mine. And I went to his office. I spread all my financial things on his desk and I said, help me, please. Mm -hmm. And so people have remarkable energy to help you, but you've got to find strength to ask. So that's one thing. Gather your friends, ask, 
find some financial strategies. If it's, it's finance, help you need to find the smartest person you know in, in financial issues and ask for help. Nice. Um, and then try to try to make sure that you connect with your friends. And they, the surprise is how much they will help you. Mm-hmm. One a statistic, gentlemen, um, UCLA did a study and they found that women with strong um, friendships with women live longer. Mm-hmm. I, they didn't say anything about gentlemen, I'm afraid. They didn't say anything. <laughs> the, the study did not include guys. The study just included women. That They, they found that women with strong um, girlfriend power, yeah. um, with strong friendships among women, live longer. Wow. And so, you know, let that empower all women. Wow. I think that's great. And Jan, thank you again for for all that information. I know you're helping many of our listeners. Uh, Todd, did you have something? Yeah, um, we had a, we have a question from Twitter from Toria. Mm-hmm. She says sure. the the book title is so inspiring. What's your strategy to manage to keep a positive mindset when misfortune seems to stick with you? We all try to stay strong when we have to face a challenge, but it's hard when struggles follow one one another and when life is dragging you down oh boy you know we certainly have been there and i'm sure you know the three t's you all have been there too mm-hmm. um I, I would what i would say to her is it victoria i'm going to say victoria listen to your beliefs and not your doubt and we all get racked with self-doubt especially women you know am i doing the right thing Oh, gee, I don't know about that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Or then our parents sometimes say, oh, well, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to go away to college and not stay here where you're safe? They mean well, but sometimes it's a leap of faith. And again, you know, I'm going to say to, to Victoria, ban the naysayers because in life there will be a lot of naysayers and sometimes they mean well. They want to make sure we're secure and safe. But, you know, sometimes we just have to listen to our beliefs and not self-doubt that creeps in and, and the naysayers that say, oh, well, what do you mean you think you can be on television, Jan? Uh, yeah. there, there's nobody who really looks like you on television, Jan. Um, oh, an Asian face on television? Well, the, the point is, yes, we, can, we have brains and we can use it. So you, you're going to have to find the strength to ban the naysayers because they're all around us. And, and you know, I, I got to interview some great people in my career, and one of them was Jodie Foster. And Jodie Foster, child actress, child star, taxi driver, remember that? That oh, she yeah. was, mm-hmm. played this Absolutely. teenage prostitute, and then she now directs and produces. But when I interviewed her, she said to me, she said, you know, Jan, if I, this is Jodie talking, she said, if she listened to all the naysayers in Hollywood who said to her, oh, don't take that part. Oh, you know, that wouldn't, that's not going to be a good role for you. Or, you know, what do you mean you want to produce? And, oh, you, you want to direct? Isn't that just for men? She said if she listened to all the naysayers of Hollywood, she would never be where she is today. Mm. This is Jodie Foster. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm thinking, whoa, you're on top of the world. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, and and she said that to me, and I went, "Oh my gosh," you know. And and I interviewed another on top of the world star, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Here's this big movie star, you know. And, and and I said to him, you know, so so what does Kevin Costner, a big Hollywood star, who, you know, what 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 do you worry about? And he said to me in the softest tone, he said, "You know, I worry about my children." You know, I worry if they're, you know, out of town and are they safe, right? He said when they were younger, he worried about if they were crossing the street and looking both ways. And he worried if they were, when they were younger, they were staying over at a friend's house. So my my point is to, to all of us to, to, you know, that we all have these concerns and we worry and, and we do have self-doubt, but we cannot let them take over our lives. That's great. That's great. I think that's important to, to for everyone to hear not only once but over and over and over again because I think self doubt is, is something that everyone deals with 
And, um, you know, one thing I'm learning, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 40s, but I'm learning that if, if you don't go for things, you're going to get older and then you're going to live with regret. And, I, and that's something that's even scarier to me. So I'm at a point where you got to go for anything you really want to do. And, and so thank you for sharing that, Jen. Jen, Absolutely. We, we have one minute left. And usually how we okay. close the show is we give our guest a minute to say or talk or less. But go ahead and talk about anything you want to talk about. What do you want our listeners to take away from, from, from the show? Is there any one thing you would, would tell our listeners right now? I would want to say this to you. And this is, it's you know the last lesson in our book. And it goes like this. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in an attractive and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways. You have chocolate in one hand, a martini in the other. Your body is thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and you are screaming, Woohoo! What a ride. <laughs> I and love that. That is a wish I have for everyone. Awesome. Well, there you guys go. It's Jan Yanahiro. Yanahiro, thank you. Thank you. Um, One of the four authors of the self-help classic, This Is Not the Life I Ordered. Um, Jan, again, I I love guests like you who are so informative, who are so open, who are so passionate and and knowledgeable. And on behalf of the D.D. Jackson Foundation and both my brothers, although one is here, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, and, and that's all I wanted to say to Jan. Oh, thank you. So thank you for having thank me. Thank you so much, Jan, for joining us. Um, we are going to close out the show. Todd, is there anything else you want to share to our listeners? No. Just you know, stay There's positive. Stay positive and, and really take all those golden nuggets. Listen to this episode over and over because especially for the women out there, I think Jan gave you guys some incredible insight and, and, and knowledge. Yeah. So... All right, that's it for today's show. Uh, We are going to wrap up the show. We will see you guys next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Again, I always say we're going to see you. We're not going to see you, but you're going to listen to us next Wednesday. We are back on The Power of Love next Wednesday. Everyone, adios. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Power of Love. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Support for our Power of Love radio show comes from a variety of generous donors, including supporters from institutions, individuals, and corporations through the D.D. Jackson Foundation. D.D.J.F. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization.